0: The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Enter promo code SGP50 for a 50% deposit bonus today. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get tips from the shipping computer as well as expert writing staff as well as data-driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Give them a follow on Twitter at Oddshark and check them out online at oddshark.com. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast and with us with this day and 21st podcast of 2019 and we brought on probably one of the hottest handicappers in the the Twitter space in social media to break down both the NFL wildcard weekend upcoming and the national championship game Uh, so sports dogma is going to be joining us to break down both of these Um, again probably one of one of the craziest runs I believe the plays that he's been giving out to um, clients both as well as doing all the free plays as well I believe on a I think 7-0 8-0 run we'll break into all that his background and kind of where you know, how, how we ended up um, in this position that he's in and, and things are certainly moving fast for him. So it, it's so great to um, see people doing well and doing things the right way uh, in this space. And as you guys know, I've, I've never really had, um, I've had, you know, both, Paid and free handicappers on here, but never really want to, you know, blur that line. And so for someone that kind of does both, um, I think it's a very interesting talking point to see kind of how that model um, you know, looks. We'll get into his, you know, what his uh version of handicapping looks like, whether it's, you know, uh, a model base, whether it's more film, you know, power numbers, that whole type of thing, a blend of them. Um, and then we'll finish up with the national championship game. So we'll get his thoughts on wildcard weekend as well as the national championship game. Obviously, props aren't out yet uh for the time that's recording the national championship game uh out for next Monday. So um again much like the Super Bowl you'll be able to uh bet on basically everything from the coin toss, Gatorade color, all that type of stuff. Um so a really really cool uh event you know whether you're in Nevada or you're offshore, obviously offshore is going to be able to offer you so much more stuff uh, than the you know than Vegas can uh when it comes to the gaming commission or any state that it's now legal in. Um so people may find that their their prop betting uh is a little limited maybe more than they thought. Um, but let's get into it, man. Um, so joining us is Sports Dogma. Oh, Dogma, how are you, man? How is everything? Um, I know you're you're kind of splitting time right now a little bit on the road uh, while you do this, but how is everything going in your world, man?
1: Everything's great, man. Nice to hear from you and nice to be on the podcast. We've been, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, we've been friends for a long, long time through the Twitter universe, sharing a lot of funny stories and experiences through Vegas and kind of the vicarious experiences that we've had with me in Mexico. I'm Uh, I also want to highlight something, man. You were killing, you're killing props. Last time I checked, I've been following some of your props and we share with each other and just want to say good on you for that. I've noticed you, you crushed that atmosphere. It's not something I touch. I, I feel like I'm already overwhelmed with some of the stuff I'm doing currently. So it's, uh, (laughs) I just want to throw out props in that aspect. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I'd appreciate it. And again, I've always talked about this. There's, there's more than one way to to bet things. And you know, in my absolutely. whole, th- my whole thing, and kind of why I, you know, originally started basically um, in baseball, and more specifically in UFC, is I really feel there's more of an edge you can gain when you break things down. You make eleven and eleven, you know, more of a one-on-one matchup like UFC is, where it's one person versus one person, where you don't have to worry about offense, defense, special teams. You zero in on one matchup, um, and so that's kind of the avenue of, of kind of why I got into the prop thing. But again, yeah, people. Um, it's a little bit daunting, I think, because people think that if, if something correlates in fantasy, you know, you don't get prop points for, for touchdowns and stuff like that. So it's a little bit, <laughs> it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, let, let's break that down, man. You know, how did you kind of, what is, um, I guess we'll start with your background and then we'll get into kind of your handicapping yeah. style and stuff, you know, kind of what led you, um, up to this point, in, you know, having so much success on, on social media and really sports betting and kind of, you know, what, what brought you to, uh, today's day and age, I guess we'll say.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting question because like the path through sports investing is so sinusoidal. And I've used this word a lot, variegated. Like, there's no
0: the fuck for, there's, is there's, sinusoidal, buddy?
1: <laughs> it's a little, uh, $10 SAT word. Um, in any case, I know maybe I just, everybody hung up. Um, in any case, like, um, I, like I said, there's like no school for sports investing. Literally everything you do generally is self-taught. It's through vision from your eyes. Uh, you always give that like analysis. Like for me, nothing trumps your eye test. Like watching a game. If I don't watch particular teams, I can't gauge motivation. I can't see their motivational edge. Um, a lot of times, I won't understand why a team will cover or not. So a lot of a lot of investment I do, um, at least in regarding to picks and how it led up to this, was initially just watching teams and seeing. Um, how a team approaches things, um, their behavior. Uh, that's the most important thing. I, I kind of, I guess I kind of look at things from, a—I use the term organic approach. I don't really know if it applies necessarily, but I try to look at things from a, like a player standpoint. I think we look at things from numbers and we only, we almost analyze people as if they're robots and that's really not the case. There's a lot of factors that come into play. I'm a huge proponent of fatigue. I mean, I like to see, you know, some teams that have time off. Um. How are they going to get back up and play immediately? A lot of times they start off slow, and those are things that you need to incorporate. Like first quarter bets in, 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 the, in the NBA have been great to some people this year, I've noticed, and they're basing that on fatigue. Um, returning from road trips, that's all incorporated. And how I started, basically, was just as a dumb like college student, and that's nothing against college students. I mean, we all have a certain degree of... Uh, I guess you could say liquid assets at the at the time. And you just want to put down some money in a game. That's how I started. I did some like parlays and things like that. And it was spe- specifically, it was in the NFL. And I, in all honesty, was 100% terrible in the NBA. For whatever reason, I could not cap NBA years ago. And then I realized, oh, it's a functional value of a situational handicap. It's It's really there's no other sport that i put more merit to and fatigue than the nba and the line i uh, really base my decisions on the line uh odds makers know better than anybody else i think according to that sport um, now where i find advantages in the line is college football because it's there's a lot of teams and if you can find a niche where you can find an advantageous position then you can really beat the books long term in in college football and i think that that's carried through for this year i kind of tailored my approach to that and i really focused on a, a particular conference Now i did select other conferences in fact in the past what i really focused on was a mountain west conference like unlv sdsu colorado state all those teams i knew really well focused on that conference back then this i focused this year i really focused on the acc south um and the acc in general um, i really liked a lot of the teams a lot of the spreads were um They're favorable. I mean, you had a lot of, um, how can I say this? I don't want to use the term variegated, but that's how it was. It's just like you're spread. One week the spreads five, and the next week is like minus one. And it was like you could find an like an advantage in some of those lines, especially if you grab them early. Um, so that's where I focused in college football this this past year. But it's all been like a culmination of understanding the market, you know, because I don't bet according to percentages most of the time. I mean, sometimes if it's egregious, like I know we talked about this many a times, bro. If it's like 80 to 20, I mean, I'm not, I don't really like. I don't really feel comfortable being on the 80 side.
0: Yeah. Especially it's different in different sports as well. Like the NBA is actually yeah. notorious. You can just be contrarian yes. and kind of play on the other side. And usually you're, you're going to come out um, in the black at the end of the year, but it's really interesting that you said specific conferences, because obviously the big difference between, you know, NFL um, and, and college football, obviously there's so many more teams in college, but conferences, right? The big 12 is so much different than, you know, the sec or even the big 10. And so it's really get, you know, leagues within the sport and you, know big 10 um unders or you know oklahoma and big 12 overs are are such a a part of the sport and so conferences are are so so different and so you know we had um but I had Eric uh, Olsen on this podcast, who was a former uh, starting offensive lineman for uh, Northwestern. He talked about that, you know, how playing a Pac-12 team w- was just so different up front because they were so more finesse and they were able to, you yeah. know, effectively win that, you know, battle up front and, and dictate the game that way. And it's just that when different conferences play each other or specifically conference play, and it's a little bit like this in basketball, but more so in football, it, it's so different. So, you know, when you really focus in on one conference, um, mostly like the uh, ACC, like you did, you're focusing on, you know, you're, you're shrinking down the the team pool, if you will, in college football to one specific style, which lends itself to, you know, again, if it's Big Ten, maybe it's unders, if it's Big 12, overs, SEC, that type of thing as well. So it's, it's really Absolutely. leagues within the game, you know?
1: And it's funny, you brought up a point. You brought up a conference that I've liked in the past, and I don't know what the hell happened to them. And that's the Pac-12. What the hell is going on with the Pac-12? Another, I
0: mean, another killer, awful ball season. What is going yeah.
1: on? What is, I mean, they went one and eight last year, I think straight up. I don't even know what they were against the spread. I didn't even bother to check because it was so God awful, but this year they're doing just as poor. And it's like, I, I don't know, maybe it's just part of me because I'm from Southern California, but I feel like college football kind of needs USC to be relevant. Um, yep. And I think it's, I think it's fun to have USC relevant. Um, it's great when UCLA is relevant. Um, those big schools that, you know, they garner a lot of attention here in, in Southern California. And I think for the West coast in general, but PAC 12 has been awful. And Oregon, Maybe Oregon. I thought Washington would have been a better representative. And uh, we had, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but we had a ridiculous backdoor cover on Washington against um, yep. Ohio State just, just a few days ago. They're going pretty crazy about that. I thought that team would be a better representative. They they really didn't do much that game. They just basically covered, backdoor covered. But looks like Oregon is going to be the team to beat moving forward. And I'll definitely be looking at that. When I'm betting on college football next year, at least in in the Pac-12, because that's a that's a conference I follow closely. Pac-12, Mountain West, and I, for some reason I don't know why, just out of preference, uh, I like the ACC too.
0: Yeah, so Pac-12 again, three and five this year in bowls, and again, like you said, I think one win out of whatever it was eight last years. Um, you know, yeah. bowls are so different, man, because you have that you have to have that motivation factor, right? We just saw Georgia come out and lay an absolute egg, and uh, Bulls are, are are something of a different animal. But it's certainly something to you know, who knows why that particular conference is faring so well? Be it time off, time, you know, whatever it is. But um, what is what would you say the biggest difference is when you look at the NFL versus college, right? You know, obviously with college, you can zero in on one specific style of play while the NFL, you know, maybe AFC versus NFC is a little bit different, although not really, you know, it's nothing like even, you know, a sport like baseball. Um, What are the biggest differences, you know, when you see handicapping um, or yourself handicapping NFL versus college football?
1: Okay. So that's a, that's a really good question. Um, College football, you know, there's motivations there, but you also remember that almost 60 to 70% of the players aren't going to be moving on to the NFL. So the talent disparity is obviously significant. Not only that, you pair that with motivation. NFL players are professionals. These guys have been doing it their whole lives. They obviously entered the NFL because they approached things to be the best in whatever they did, uh, in their conference. I mean, you're talking about select players from you know these teams. So <clears throat> motivation is a huge factor to me in college football. And it can be anything it can be did the team travel too much um, where were they st- I mean it can even be something as simple as like where did they stay? did they stay in, <laughs> did they stay in Las Vegas for a little too long and have fun? How do you expect these college students they're college students after all I mean these guys are kids um, they're not like NFL I mean I know the newer rookies in the NFL are, are such they're young men but they have a different approach they're you know they're tailoring their career they're professionals so it's different in that sense. I put a lot of merit into motivation, and there's much more um, uh, credence given to like venue. Where are the students playing? Um, it's just I, that's the that's basically kind of the approach I have. The the uh, yards per play, those types of um, metrics, which I are a staple of my approach. I put. A little, a little less merit into, um, unless it's the top tier teams like Alabama and the Clemson's and you know all those teams. So that's kind of where I differentiate with the NFL. When I do incorporate uh, the yards per play and stuff like that, I put a little bit more stock into that. Um, so that's at least from an advanced metric standpoint. Uh, I don't even know if that's an advanced metric anymore. Everybody seems to utilize. <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, no,
0: it's it's the squarest, it's sharp like, stat of them all now. It's,
1: Right. It's like, it was like yards per play, yards per play. Um, I use it because I think people can identify, you know, with it. It's kind of like, you know, if you're trying to get your point across, it's it's an argument that has a certain degree of merit to it. You know, I think really what makes the difference is a situational analysis. You know, Uh, something that I said with our friends, whale and Andy uh, is situational for me. And that's really where I start my analysis, but just to, to close a loop, on just the difference it's it's really it really comes out to motivation in college because you can have teams that just don't even play and one example was we were on virginia tech and this is such a funny play that i put in this is for one of the vip play write-ups i put i put in i sent it out to people and the response was like dude what do you virginia tech is terrible like this is a poor <laughs> matchup like this is marshall's gonna crush them. maybe see marshall's offense And I was like, well, there's a lot of motivation for Virginia Tech here. I mean, they have the longest consecutive bowl streak. I mean, that's something significant. That's something that Virginia Tech, it's a statement I say, plants their flag in. I mean, I I can't remember if it was like 26 or 27 straight bowl games. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's significant. So, I mean, what happened? The game started. Marshall didn't even want to be there. It was like cloudy. It was cold. And Virginia Tech blew them out by like 20 points. So that's really where motivation came into play. And that's like one of the true areas that I love to focus in with college football is just that aspect of where do you see these college students? Where are their minds? You know, you know, they're not at the professional level yet. They're great players. Don't get me wrong. I have nothing against most of the players that play in college football. So it's just the motivational aspect. And then you also brought up another point about finesse and other things like that. How do, how do they compare by a conference? You know, some conferences like the SEC, they just want to bully everybody. You know, the Pac twelve wants to finesse and throw the ball around the field. You know, the Mountain West Conference, I don't even know what the Mountain West Conference is. It's just an amalgamation of just a bunch of teams that I like to look at for certain spots. But that's 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 a difference for me. It's if I can say one word, it's like motivation. Yeah.
0: No, it makes it so much sense, man. It's one of the reasons that I think college football is is. is I used to be so flop, man. I used to not watch college football. I, lit, I I was so in love with the NFL, and I've really, really flipped, man. College is um, really, you know, my favorite sport to watch. is because the game is. I don't say pure, like I, it's nothing, nothing to do with political. I just I enjoy the game so much, so much more um, <laughs> from the college um, standpoint than the NFL. It, you know, everything I used to hate, how you know, quote unquote, unclean it was, or, or how messy the game can be. <laughs> you know, especially you know, conferences like the Mac, all that type of stuff. Um yes. really oh makes it great. And so there's there's so many, you know, again, there's there's different levels to this stuff. If you're a recreational better, if you're a professional, there's largely, you know, different people want different things in this. But what makes college so great is there's so much diversity and there's so much, um, you know, conferences are literally leagues within the league when it comes to college football. So I've really, you know, over the past maybe four to five years, really flipped my script and have become such a, you know, such a, a lover of college football more than the NFL. Me too. Yeah. It,
1: it, and there's like a lot of like, there's like so much legacy too for like, like a lot of the guys I talked to, um you know, that have been part of the VIP selection we've had, which has been so amazing. I can't believe the exposure we've had and the response. It's just guys love to bet on their teams or get or see what it is is against their teams or it's like legacy, you know, you're tied to it, you know, it's like that's your school that you went to undergrad to and it's it's a little different, you know, the NFL, they're, they're professionals and it's 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 really, it becomes like a business with NFL, you know? For I don't
0: sure. know if that makes any sense. No, it definitely doesn't. And we talked about this, you know, people often look at these guys like robots and, you know, there was a one spot that really sticks out is, you know, the, um, Carolina game when they were off the, when they had the hurricane come through and like everyone was displaced and Carolina came out and inevitably yes. laid that egg. Um, because yes. again, the, these guys have traveled, they have kids in school, they have to do whatever they have, whatever the case may be. They are, you know, they have to uproot themselves. This isn't Madden, Absolutely. you know what I mean? So there's so many situ- so many more <laughs> situational factors when you talk about the NFL, um, versus college, but. Uh, Let's break into this, man. So we have NFL uh, Wild Card sure. Weekend um, upcoming. Um, I can pull up. I'll pull up the odds. We'll talk from a future standpoint here. Um, is there okay. anything that really um, sticks out to you at first glance when we talk about um, you know kind of where this? Uh, Let's say, playoff landscape uh, kind of settled in, ultimately, teams that, you know, barely made it, teams that rolled in, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, I'll pull this up right now from both the AFC and NFC and kind of anything, first of all, from uh, before we break down these individual matchups this weekend, just because these odds are kind of the, the quote unquote most pure now that every team is still in it here. Um, when I break down the, let me get it right here. All right, so we'll start with the AFC. Uh, Baltimore is at 650 to one. Um, Warren Sharp actually posted a really good video. I don't know if you saw this about how much better a money line parlay would uh, pay out with baltimore did you see this video
1: oh i didn't actually
0: yeah so if you go to warren sharp's twitter page he, he um put out this awesome video basically saying that this is a, a terrible number um at six to, um again off going off mybookie.ag, baltimore Ravens at plus 650 a money line parlay it would be closer to 10 to 1 um there's a lot of disparity around the market with this team baltimore uh caesar's palace in vegas right now has a 15 to 1 <clears throat> i'm sorry 10 to 1 um, but they're okay. offshore largely um about plus six fifty. And if you moneyline them effectively with what the look aheads are, you get about ten to one. Um so Baltimore will call it uh, plus six fifty, Houston at eleven to one, Colts twelve to one, Chiefs uh plus one fifty, Pats plus two twenty, and the charges at plus seven fifty. Is there anything that really sticks out to you from the AFC is either um value play to either you know sell on prop swap, hedge, buy out, or um one to hold in the AFC that you think makes a lot of sense right now?
1: It's funny. I'd actually, I would sell on the chiefs. I, I mean, I hate yes. to say that. Uh, yes. It's like that's, that's too low. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of Mahomes. Like the guy is just, the guy's amazing. What he does is amazing, but it's not sustainable. I, I, I hate to say that because he keeps doing it every week. He keeps doing it. But if there's one weakness with his game is, and this is just from a, like from a tape standpoint is he kind of drops back in the pocket a little too far and he exposes himself to pass rushers like edge pass rushers. So I mean he, he's escaped from that, you know, that's a regular season. I mean, you know, playoff NFL is an entirely different animal. I mean, these players they're being paid significantly to be in a playoff game. Their focus is 100% on um, it's not like it's not like the rigor of a 16 game season, you know, these players are, are going to be focused. So I don't I think <laughs> You know, understandably, I know that the, the Chiefs—they went twelve and four, right? They they won the AFC West, and they deserved it. Um, but I just one fifty—that's that's that's too little to me. I'm not going to take. Um, and I know Mahomes mm-hmm. is in a second.
0: They yeah. really feel like the Rams of last year. And I have this, uh, I've really, really right? kind of made my head when I, made my hay when I, um, have been, I, I bet against first year coaches and I bet against first year quarterbacks in the playoffs It worked out very well last year with Jared Goff. The year before that was Dak Prescott. Obviously you have a ton of first year play out. The moment just becomes too big. Um, so you, this year, obviously you have Mitch Trubisky, so. you have, um, uh, so you have Trubisky, you have Mahomes, and you have Watson all making their first and Lamar Jackson as well. Also a rookie, um, rookies yes. have, and again, when rookies, Funny stat out there. I believe this applies to, um, I, I guess it does um, for Nick Foles and winning a Super Bowl. Um, when a rookie quarterback has faced a Super Bowl winning quarter uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback, they're one in ten. The one win was Tebow um, so facing against uh, I believe it was Big Ben. Um, so experience matters, and the moment is just so big for first year coaches. Again, last year with Jared Goff taking the early exit, uh, the year before that was Dak Prescott. You just you see this over and over again. So I would not be shocked at all for the Chiefs to take an early exit, or even Chicago, because they effectively have the the double whammy of first year head coach and first-year quarterback uh, with Trubisky and Nagy. Uh, but that Chiefs line, again, uh, much too low for that moment, I think.
1: I think it's much too low for that moment. Um, I have maybe a little bit of pushback on Chicago just for the sake that they have the best defense in the league this year. I don't know if like Trubisky can lean on them, essentially, to get them across the finish line, uh, at least in the sense of just like the conference uh, playoff scheme in the NFC. Um, I think that they'll... They'll probably run into a buzzsaw that is that are the Saints. Saints are amazing to me this year. They run the ball well, they defend well. Um <clears throat> I think excuse me. Uh the thing is just with with Trubisky, I know he has the defense behind him. Mahomes doesn't. Mahomes has got a terrible defense. They give up way too many yards. And we've seen them kind of like have these games where they've had to step up in prime time and stand alone.
0: Really, since the and, Rams game is when their season's kind of taken a turn for the downward progression,
1: I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And I you know, and that's kind of I that's where I kind of bank. I can't believe I'm saying this. Bro, you gotta slap me actually. I actually think the Chargers like are a good bet for the Super Bowl this year. And I I never say that. I never support my home team. Uh just in the sense that I have a lot of emotional bias. I try to keep myself absent of that when I make any sort of like pick or correlation according to a line or stats, because I think inevitably you're not thinking straight, you know. And um, for whatever reason, I feel like we're in good position this year. So, we'll I mean, we'll see. Because they're going to go on the, the road. We both know they're heavy favorites. Um, not heavy favorites, but there's he- heavy... It's it's a heavy favorite in the in the betting market, I should say.
0: Yeah, it's a um, very very public ch- underdog, ch- and and while professionals have, have kind d- of tipped their hand this morning, some some Baltimore money has definitely entered the market at minus two and a half, basically yes. putting everything out to three. Um, Chargers, yeah, they've been the public under they've been the public darling all year. I, I can't remember how yes. many um, you know things I read on, on social media of how the char- this was kind of the charges year, and um, I would say a lot of that was also on San Francisco. Obviously, did not work out with Garoppolo, um, you know, yeah. taking the early exit, but. San Francisco and the Chargers were really the public darlings coming into this year, uh, which is a really hard thing to kind of, you know, overcome. And I know the two things are, are very mutually exclusive, um, but the Chargers have really had, you know, that that year finally for them.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I think it's also because of their current, their their road record this year and their last seven road games, they went 6-1. and That was kind of like one of the things I looked at. I'm like, okay, I mean, I guess home doesn't matter in LA. Like, I haven't even been up to this stuff. I've got to be honest with you. I've kind of like, I almost exercised my fandom after San Diego Chargers, quote unquote, left to LA, but they don't even really have much of a home field advantage there. We all know that. And it's a 25,000 person stadium. So when they go on the road, I don't think it makes any difference from when they're at home or on the road. So they're a little tested in that sense. I really wish they weren't playing Baltimore because like the, the, the game sets up in such a manner where you have a rookie QB, like we mentioned, but you have a great defense. And I did I didn't reflect that about Mitch Trubisky. With all that said, it's like, I still feel like there's got to be something with this game where Phillip Rivers might eke out like a last second, not a last second, but a last minute drive. Maybe they sneak under the, the spread. I know the spread is really low and those types of games kind of make me a little nervous when it's
0: two and a half. So um, uh, yeah, I was talking with um, our buddy winter, Spread Investor yeah I was talking with our buddy spread investor who sent me a text earlier because he, he knows how much I've been on the kind of the spread is dead theory so he, he looked this up for me so all time um in the history of the NFL 89 percent of the time the spread is not mattered meaning if a favorite wins they cover if an underdog wins they win outright so that's this year yep. um, I just put this up it, it was 82 percent what it I closed. That.
1: That.
0: yeah so effectively and especially with these short of spreads um if, if you pick the winner you're generally going to uh do very well so let's start we'll break this down on Saturday January 5th uh Indianapolis heads to Houston in the AFC wildcard playoff Houston um, minus one is effectively uh, what's in the marketplace in a total sitting at 48 um, look first year quarterback in Deshaun Watson in the playoffs um, first time in the playoffs I should say um, this I mean Indianapolis arguably the hottest team in the NFL with what they've been able to do Andrew Luck basically a shoe-in I would say for comeback player of the year I can't believe that number was sitting around I think it was plus 850 is what I got for AP comeback player of the year um, such an obvious spot and kind of a, a really bad number honestly but um, what do you make yeah. of this game in, in terms of, you know, uh, Houston has shown some, you know, the defense I don't think is as good as people like to think it is just because of the name value there. Um, but Indianapolis, I mean, they've really turned their season around specifically on the defensive end. There was a time early in the season where we were looking to fade this this uh, Indianapolis team early and often from a defensive side, whether it be prop bets, whether it be DFS, whatever the case may be. Um, but here they are effectively as a pick in, in the AFC South and the AFC wildcard matchup.
1: Yes. And I mean, I agree with that assessment. I just want to say something. Uh, Spread investor is good people. I just want to throw that out there. I'm a big (laughs) fan of spread investor as well. Um, In any case, um, yeah, I, I, you know, this is a, this is, I think (laughs) these games um, present kind of like a significant um, question mark, at least according to line. Um, I mean, you're, you're essentially, these are pick'ems, but in it, if you look at the defensive evaluation for these two teams, they don't give up many yards per play. Um, here I go again with the yards per play, but in any case, uh, points allowed, um, all that type of stuff does garner some merit. I mean, that, that is valuable. So you have to ask yourself, like which defense is going to at least key in better, which offensive line will be able to be able to address that better. I mean, and then, uh, you take that in accordance of the argument. So, Indianapolis, like, surrenders the least amount of sacks, right? That's what we know. Coming into this, they have one of the best defensive lines. That was one of the biggest issues last year. Um, and then also, obviously, when uh, Luck got injured, any of the burst of sack injury and the surgery and all that type of stuff. Um, but now we also have, alternatively, Houston, who has a the propensity – I love that word. I have the propensity to use propensity – to surrender sacks. Um, so what's going to give in this sense? You know, I mean, do we expect – do we expect the Houston defensive line to be able to get to luck? Cause if they don't do that, I know that I think Joseph is coming back. The, the good quarterback for Houston. He's going to be there. Um, obviously JJ Watts going to play. Uh, will they be able to have enough time in the secondary to provide the pass rush of Houston to get to Andrew luck? That's the most important thing for me in this game. Andrew luck is more of a statue than, <clears throat> than Watson. So Uh, And there's also another thing too with the, um, turnover margin. I think if, if correct me if I'm wrong, I I believe that Houston is better in turnover margin currently.
0: Yeah. I think Uh, it's not even close. It's by a lot.
1: I think, I think it's by a lot. So, you know, you pair those factors together is, is, and there's another thing too. Watson really impressed me on the road. He impressed me in in unfamiliar territory. And then he's also been great at, at home. I mean, they have a great record at home. Um, Man, they they're going to play well in front of this crowd. It's going to be a significant crowd. Um, I and I know this is an unpopular opinion. I actually lean Houston here. I think that Houston uh, can get it done. I think that they have the better back backfield options in, um, in what they've had throughout the year. Um, they rush at a better clip. Um, I know that uh, Mac. Uh, I believe his last name is Mac. Sorry, I'm drawing a blank here. The Indianapolis running back. Yeah. He's Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack. He's been good, but I, uh, you know, you go on the road and you're getting almost a pick'em, and all this. I, and I use this term a lot, bro. I, I recency bias. Everybody's like high in the Colts, you know? And I, I, there's a lot of really sharp friends I have that we have. I know that are on that side. And that's why I kind of like, I don't, like fading my sharp friends. And it's just, I I'm, I'm not in a position in that's in that sense. I lean the Texans just given some of the defensive stats and mostly because they're at home. I know it's the Watson factor. He's a freshman. Uh, well, I should say this is a rook rookie in, in, a, in essence, but he does come from good pedigree. You know, he comes yeah, from the, a great. The dude is a
0: winner, man, and there's a lot to be said for winner. for guys like that. You know, the Alex Smiths of the world, even Tim Tebow, to a degree, won a playoff game, and people tend to forget that when they talk about <laughs> talk about the legend yeah. that is, that is Tebow. And so, there's something to be said for those guys that have that winning percentage and have that pedigree. Winning a national championship game certainly is going to help him. Um, I, yeah, I'm not getting involved in this game one way or another. Um,
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. On um, the side, I have no. <laughs>
0: Yep, no, uh, we'll move on, man. So Seattle heads to Jerry's World in Dallas. Again, game effectively a pick, a little bit um, shaded towards Dallas, about minus two in the marketplace, total sitting at 43 here. Um Early exit, you know, last time they were in the playoffs for Dak Prescott, Jason Garrett show. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, we somewhat know what Dallas is and we know what Seattle is. I mean, these are two teams that want to run the ball. There has been certainly the resurgence of Dak Prescott with Amari Cooper. No doubt about it. He's been a different quarterback. Um, Seattle wants to run the ball about a hundred times in this game, I, I would think, and, and really slow this game down um, it, while Dallas has, you know, t- teams that are really, I am going to say mirror images of each other, but they play really, a, really, really uh, similar type of game script, uh, which is, you know, effectively why you see this game um, as basically a pick with Dallas getting a little bit of a home field advantage spread here. Russell Wilson uh, another guy that just wins and you know there was a lot of people very down on the Seattle team. A lot of people I knew going under the win total and here we are they sit at 10 and 6 which is the same record as Dallas. These teams are are just so similar to um, which way do you think are are leaning here on this game?
1: You know it's funny you bring that up about the Seattle team. After the Chargers game, I mean I watched that game intently. Um, I thought that Seattle might be done after that game, I mean, they had a rally, but they were aided by penalties and there was some kind of really poor coaching by Anthony Lynn. And that's kind of an- another concern when we get into the Ravens game. But the thing about the thing about the Seahawks, okay, so they don't turn the ball over, you know, and they have the best, I, nobody, I don't know how many people actually know this. They have the best turnover differential in the NFL. They garner more fumbles and interceptions than any other team in the NFL. And they've only given four turnovers in the last six weeks, which is, I, I would not, I don't know. With the, with the way that Russell Wilson plays, I wouldn't think that, uh, you know, that turnover differential would be so high. I mean, because he gets out of the pocket, I thought maybe fumbles would occur or he would throw an errant pass. You know, you would think that maybe turnovers would occur. But with that said, they also have Chris Carson, who nobody knows about in the NFL for the most <laughs> part. I mean, at least at least, you know, the average better. Uh, you know, but people that are actually sharp. He's, he's gone over six games now with hundred
0: rushing yards. Yeah. He's been absolutely so, unreal, man. He's it, good. He's been it, good. It's and so weird for them to, to have drafted Rashad Penny as well. You know, they just seem yeah. to turn out running backs all the way go, you know, dating back to Marshawn Lynch. And, and even the guys after that doesn't matter who is in that backfield. Um, they consistently find matter.
1: ways. Correct. And I mean, we love, I know we love this, this uh, phrase amongst friends, establish the run, but they, uh, they've actually done a not too bad of a job of, over the last several weeks. And I actually think that's what's got them into the playoffs. They've, they focused on getting like short yardage in, in at least third down. Um, Now that's not to say I support that game plan uh, with Russell Wilson, but he's been hobbled. You know, I think he's, he's had a clear injury. I don't know if it's an Achilles. I can't really pause it. According to that, just from what I've seen, Uh, I think it's his left leg. I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm speculating right now, but he does look a little hobbled when he gets out of the pocket and has to run. So I think that's why Seattle has done this with the running game. They want to take pressure off Russell Wilson. And, you know, if you have, if you establish, and again, you establish your own quote unquote, you do present a little bit of a better option for passing downfield, at least on play action. So I, I just feel like, you know, the game, this is, this is another this is another tough game. This playoff this playoff weekend is one of the few in the last few years where it's like everything is so close. Yeah, but even then, I feel like with that said, we're talking about establishing the run. I would actually put out if I were to put out a play, I would say maybe the under is a good option here.
0: Yeah, specifically I would say in the first half as well here these two teams there's going to be a feeling out process with the stage that this big and the first half under definitely at, look these two teams want to run the ball that being said if there are um, you know consistently six seven yard runs um, uh, it may hurt a little bit you know something in the way of you know w- how we look at you know option teams in the NFL when they're carving teams up it just because it's coming yeah. you know on the ground um, doesn't doesn't necessarily it's all about game pace game script and if you can keep those rushes um, the yards minimized But when we look at this we flip over to the Dallas side. I mean, without a question, um, the running back advantage, the offensive line advantage, I would say, definitely goes to Dallas. Now, Dallas is not, yes. this offensive line is not the the one that I think people remember. I think people remember them to be this, you know, one of the best of all time, and they certainly were in that category when you look at the stats. This is not that same um, Dallas offensive line, but it's still, you know, incredibly good. They still have a top, you know, I'd say three running back in the league, and the thing that people don't remember now, I believe Ezekiel um, Elliott has upwards of, I think it's like 80 catches on the year. He's, he's been so Involved in the passing game, which has really kind of opened things up. The addition of Amari Cooper. Um, look, th- there's nothing. Yes. There's nothing that inspires confidence when you're placing a bet on Dak Prescott instead of <laughs> instead of Russell Wilson uh, up against each other here. <laughs> but I think that these two yeah. quarterbacks are, are not really going to do a lot. Um, I think this is effectively who yeah. can run the ball uh, the best, and I really believe that it's actually Dallas in this spot.
1: So we have the total at what, like forty? The last time I checked, it was forty-two and a half when I opened up my.
0: Uh, ticked up a bit uh 43 right now is what's at mybucky.ag. Yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting
1: uptick. I don't know what people are really looking at when I see that. I don't know. Th- especially in the first like half a-
0: because you're you're likely to get the 41 or I'm sorry, 21 and a half now oh, under yeah. the 20. Yeah, 21 and a half.
1: That's a really good call in the first half on there. I would definitely like definitely agree with you on that. I as you say they'll feel themselves out, run the ball, you know. Uh, that seems like a great approach. I, just as you say, I mean they at least for the sake of like points per game, they're relatively low. The Cowboys that is, uh, Seahawks, you know, their, their discrepancy is, is accordance to, you know, playing at home. They do much better at home, uh, with their crowd. So now being on the road and not to say that, um, Seahawks have been bad on the road. I mean, they've won six of the last seven games. Cowboys are also on the seven and one streak. So, I mean, they play well at home and, um, yeah, I think I I think that that's the only lean I'd have in that game, you know, at least for me personally. So.
0: For sure, man. Well, we agree on that one. Um, so let's head over to Sunday and this is a game. I think you're gonna have a lot to, lot to say about it, but we actually, um, we differ a little bit on this. So I want to talk this one out. Yes. Chargers head to Baltimore, um, Baltimore, but a minus three in the marketplace. Again, this game was largely minus two and a half minus two and some Baltimore money has definitely hit the marketplace, moving this up to a minus three and the total sitting at 42. Um, so I'll let you kind of take the reins and go for as, as, because again, <laughs> you, you do watch so many Chargers game and have been so, um, invested in them from a fan standpoint for so long. Um, what's kind of your take on this? Yeah.
1: to me okay so when this okay when the nfl ended on sunday the first line i circled was the Chargers, because and this is and not to reflect on the vip process we've had but we were on the ravens and i felt very strong about the position that's why i made it a vip and we we, we got plus five it dropped to i think it, at the closing one was like three and a half or four at most i think pinnacle had four <clears throat> the Ravens won straight up and they won convincingly. And it was because the Chargers were coming off a game against the chiefs where uh, like we were, f- were reflecting on previously, they, it was a pretty miraculous comeback win. we can both agree to that. Some of the flags were a little, a little weird. There's some weird penalties. I'll give that, but um, I don't think their focus was a hundred percent there. So, you have to incorporate that, you know, when you move on. Um, and I'm just speaking to the public here, not yourself. It's just, you don't think that the focus will be 100% after a game like that. And it was evident. Um, the Chargers didn't really come out and play very well. Um, they were kind of like half-ass fumbles and things like that. And they gave up long touchdowns. Um, they didn't pressure Lamar very well. The RPO took advantage of them. Um, but I don't think that's the same case now. I mean, I don't think, that, how are the Chargers going to overlook this game? You have a QB, you have a veteran QB. Excuse me, that um, has had a lot of time now in the NFL. He knows how to address defenses for the most part, and he has he actually has familiarity with that, with that back, the, the safety and the and, and the Cvs that are part of the Ravens. And I've reflected on this. I wrote about this with Eric Weddle, who's not a big fan of the Chargers, by the way. He <laughs> he had a pretty sour uh, leave with with that Chargers team. Um, but I, this is one of the games I circled, and I, like I like I prefaced, this is this is one of the games that I've loved. I just have a little bit of, I guess the only word I can use is reluctance, given the fact that everybody loves the Chargers. The Chargers seem too easy. Um, yeah. You have you incorporated a lot of aspects in this. You know, you're talking about an RPO offense, a gimmicky offense. You have you have. And I don't, I, that's probably not the right term to use because Lamar Jackson has had success and he was great in college, but it's different now. And NFL teams are going to adapt. They're, they're going to make the appropriate, the appropriate game plan changes to address whatever type of handoff he's going to do. And if the guy's in the right place in the Chargers' defense, they'll, they'll get them in third and long, second and long, third and long. And that's not going to present necessarily a good option for the Ravens. They don't really have explosive wide receivers. Like a is kind of old now. And, uh, you know, this,
0: it's not even, it's know, not man. even so much. They don't have great receivers. I mean, John Brown was having a career year with Flacco, um, and Crabtree was kind of handling the possession type stuff. And, you know, poor John Brown was, was really having his breakout year <laughs> that, that everyone was really, you know, clamoring for when he was with yes. the Cardinals. Um, what else say about the Chargers about,
1: here? Jeremy James, like twin James, like he's, he's been good in the, in the Chargers secondary. So that's the only thing I'm saying. It's like, you uh, that's and that's the thing is like I, I haven't planted my flag on the Chargers yet. I'm just saying, it was a play I highlighted. I liked it significantly. It's just it's difficult now with everybody wanting to be on the Chargers.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about um, Chargers. When you when you take out the, you know, the public bets percentage, I believe it's about 75% on Chargers right now. Um, the Chargers are the only team to play Lamar Jackson and play the Ravens twice since he's been in here. So they've seen the offense once, which is no other team has has seen that, right? There is, um, not that um, either team could really look ahead to this matchup because nobody knew kind of where the chips would fall and who would play. who. So they, It's not as if they could kind of take week 17 to do that. Both teams had to play and again, Baltimore barely sneaking into the playoffs. Um, I think that the fact that the Chargers have seen this offense um, and seen this specific type of offense once before is going to help so, so much. And again, they only saw it, what, two weeks ago? Um, so that game was, I mean, 22 to 10, I think it was a little bit closer than that score, um, indicates it was six to three at half, um, Baltimore to me, it was, and I believe the charges were also, um, it was a really bad situational spot. If I can pull up their schedule, what that game was, uh, prior or coming off that prior I don't think it was the chiefs game. Was it? It might've been, let me pull it up. Yeah. Um, they just yeah. came off
1: the game.
0: Yep, they came. So that's Correct. that's you know a little bit of an issue for from a situational spot. I mean they were they wanted to believe four straight um up until that Ravens game. It was a little bit of an issue. And again, it, it does look too easy. And so if you're a contrarian better, uh there's no doubt about it. To me, this is something of a perfect storm. You have that rookie quarterback in the playoffs where the moment is just too big. You have a, a quarterback effectively that can't pass the ball yet. He has not developed into a, a good passer at all. Um so it, this one um maybe is a live betting situation where you know you can take um y- you can see what happens. Because if the Chargers get out to a lead here, it's going to be very difficult for Baltimore to come from behind with this type of offense. Uh, if Baltimore gets out to that lead, um, they can sit back, pin their ears back, and play defense. So live betting makes a ton of, of sense here. You know, just pending, you know, seeing how kind of the first quarter, first couple drives play out, and kind of what style of game is going to be um, had here. Because I don't see a situation where Chargers get out to you know a fourteen nothing, even maybe ten nothing lead, where in Baltimore is going to be able to come back with this type of offense. So just very limited in the passing game right now with. Lamar- Mar Jackson.
1: I really like that argument. Actually, what you said about if the Chargers get in head, like that's huge, especially in regards to live betting. Like, who's going to get the ball first? Say the Chargers get the ball first in the first half, they go down and score a touchdown. Now the Ravens are relegated to like, okay, well, do we open the playbook? Do we continue to just this you know this running option and say that the Chargers do stop them on a uh, given drive, to relegated to a field goal? Um, and Chargers go back and score again. That's a position that Baltimore does not want to be in, obviously. So I really see that argument. I, and, you know, I think, I think we both can reflect on the contrarian approach. Yeah. Um, that's why I feel like I'm a little skeptical, you know, you know, what, you know, what the, the majority of skepticism is for me. It's because I'm a Chargers fan. <laughs> 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 it's because I'm a Chargers fan. It's because I, I know us and we're traveling to the East coast. It's going to be an early game. I'm going to be watching this game intently. Uh, I will be watching every moment of this game. Um, So I I hope to God we come through. Um, I really hope that Phillip Rivers can do something, but that's just hope. That has nothing to do with statistics. That has nothing to do with a gambling approach. And if I bet on hope, you know what they say, you put, you fill one hand with excrement and the other with hope, what fills up quicker. Um, Yeah. That's why I don't bet on hope. In any case, um, that's yeah, that's where I'm at with this game. I, I love the Chargers, obviously. I think it's a good position. Like I said, I highlighted it. I just haven't made a play on it yet. That's that's where I'm at.
0: All right, man. As so, far
1: as as far as as far as the total, I mean I think it's kind of low. They both will score. That's where I feel.
0: Yep, I agree with you. Uh, Philadelphia in the Nick Foles show. Big Dick Nick heads to Chicago. Chicago is a minus six home favorite. Uh, Total sitting at forty one. Um, I mean, it's going to be cold. It's going to be gross in Chicago this time of year. Philadelphia, no no stranger. I mean, the, their home field advantage is, or their home field is effectively the same thing. So the elements shouldn't matter too much here. Um, you have Nick Foles, uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback, coming um, for the you know first year quarterback and first year head coach in Mitchell Trubisky. We've seen this narrative before. Um, largely people counting out philadelphia counting out nick Foles. um can he do it again or is this the mitch trubisky show
1: Mm, you know this is one of the this is another play i highlighted because i feel like the line is appropriate i don't and it's it's most i don't have much faith in philly and i hate to say that because nick Foles has killed me every time i bet against him i had one nfl pick um previously in the last two weeks and they came back and won and covered and i was like this guy This is against the Rams. They were 13-point underdogs. And uh, it's just kind of one of those situations where, you know, you think, okay, new QB in. I mean, it does play into that narrative where the new QB team rallies around them and they covered. They not only covered, they won. And it was one of the few times as a 13-point underdog that, you know, a team won straight up. In any case, that that being said, I love the Chicago defense. I love that they're playing in their home field. I feel like it prevents it presents a significant advantage, um, at least according to their defensive metrics. This is where they play their best. Um, I like Chicago here, and I don't normally say that with a rookie QB. Obviously, I'm fading Lamar Jackson. I don't think that he's the same as Mitch Trubisky. Lamar Jackson, like he, you know, he, they're according to that uh, offensive place call, play calling scheme. With Trubisky, it's it's a little different because they have um, they have that shifty, he kind of reminds me of Darren Sproles. But Derek Cohen, I feel like he might be a little bit of an X Factor here.
0: Just call him and Derek Cohen.
1: Did I say Derek Cohen? His last name's Cohen.
0: Cohen. Tariq <laughs> Cohen.
1: Tariq Cohen. That was close. I was off by a T and a D. Um, I just I like what he does. He's shifty. And he's I think he's gonna be great out of the backfield. That this this game is presents at minus six, I think. Is appropriate because you know you now you analyze the the way that the defenses have been playing. Philadelphia is a little banged up in their secondary, and I think that could present a little bit of play action uh, pass. Um, but more than anything, I just like the way this Chicago defense is playing. I mean, they're the best point of yards per, per play um, in every sort of defensive metric. Um, the one caveat, like I always, and you brought up too when we were speaking previously, is that. He is a rookie QB you know you have Nick Foles going in who has a little bit of experience obviously um I just I feel like it's a difficult position for Philly I feel like they it was hard for them to get in the playoffs now they're in the playoffs Nick Foles has showed that he has a certain degree of offensive prowess he always seems to deliver though so I maybe fade me in this aspect because whenever I bet against Nick Foles he beats me I just I feel like this line speaks volumes yeah. I like to be in I like to bet on teams in this position where you're gonna garner a lot of heavy public money on the Eagles. everybody's everybody's gonna be betting for the most part on the Eagles, seeing how they've like come into this position with uh, motivation. and uh, I mean, I hate this expression, but you know good to head i would I would bet Chicago almost heavily at this point. I, I like the position. I like this position a lot.
0: It, it's funny, man, because I was listening to VEASAN, um, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Vegas Stats and Information Network is effectively like sports gambling radio out here in Vegas. They've been, uh, I think they're yeah. launching um, in uh, Atlantic City as well. Mike Lombardi is heading up the East Coast version. Um, they were basically saying they had Jimmy Vaccaro on, who's the head's odd maker at the South Point, and he was kind of said the opposite. He said um, Chicago is going to be the most publicly backed side this weekend, um, is what it's shaping up to be, um, which didn't make a ton of sense Surprising. to me. Yeah. Very, very surprising. Again, you would think that with, again, we've seen this movie before. We've seen what Nick Foles is capable of doing. God bless him. I don't know how he does it. A lot of smoke and mirrors, much like this, um, Houston team. It's just, I, I don't know how he gets it done, but at the end of the day, there's something to be said for winners, the Deshaun Watsons, the Alex Smiths, uh, and in Nick right. Foles. Um,
1: that's well I ha- said.
0: Yeah, I haven't gotten involved in this game. I don't see myself. Th- these lines are all very tight. I think there's just better bets on yeah. the board. Um, I th- it sounds like we're we're kind of lockstep on the Seattle first half under. Um, it's kind of a consensus best bet when it comes to the NFL Wild Card Weekend. But these lines are are very short and they're very um, tight for a reason. Most of these games are effectively right. a pick 'em. Yeah. And again, eighty nine percent of the time, dating back to the the beginning of Wild Card Weekend, the outright winner um, covers the spread or wins outright if it's an underdog. So. Um, yeah. Uh, first year quarterbacks are, are something I've largely um, long play faded and been very, very good to me. So gun to, gun to my head, um, I would take the opposite side. Yeah, there. Philly. Yep. But yeah. again, not something I, I think I'm going to get involved in, but um, that'll wrap up the the kind of NFL Wildcard Weekend, and, and as we look ahead to the 12th and the 13th, with Kansas City and the Rams, in um, New England and, and the Saints waiting for these teams. So it'll be an interesting playoff uh, picture for sure there. Um, but let's let's kind of shift gears. We're going to break over to the uh, national championship game. Um, obviously, this game we played on Monday next week. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of we'll we'll touch on this one as well. Um, but before we do that, as always, the Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.h is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast. Podcast Network in the Inside Vegas Podcast. NFL playoffs are here, and it's time to get into the action with my bookie. Don't be the guy that has no rooting interest as your relatives or friends are sitting around watching the games. Not this year, when the fifty third Super Bowl is right around the corner. Enter promo code SGP fifty when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code SGP fifty at my bookie. You play, you win, and you get paid. We're also brought to you by Odd Shark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as data driven editorial content and. The latest odds for every big game and big fight from all major online sports books. Give them a follow on Twitter at Oddshark and check him out online at oddshark.com. All right, man. So let's break into this because a little bit of an interesting line move here. Not that um terribly key numbers when we look at this. But Tua Tagalola and Trevor Lawrence, true freshman, battling it out in another rematch. Um... Clemson and Alabama. Alabama basically uh, ticked down from a minus six to a minus five point um, favorite while we were recording this. Total sitting at 59 yeah. and a half. Um, Again, not a terrible, terribly key number. Although in college, the six is a little more important, just because there's so many, so much more uh, missed extra points and that type of thing from you know 18 year old kickers. Um, yeah, where do you don't land? It <laughs> does Alabama have it in them for the perfect season? Is this another Clemson upset? Um, I've looked at this so much. I'm interested to get your take here. Trevor me Lawrence too. to me is. The kid is going to win a Heisman in his time at Clemson, bar none. Um, I think so, too. Without question, uh, the kid is legitimate man. Um, And Kelly Bryan obviously transferring to Missouri next year. Um, Where where do you stand at this first look, man? Is this um, Roll Tide, or does Clemson have another (laughs) another upset in them?
1: Okay, so earlier in the week, I was Roll Tide. Um, In fact, I've said that in a recent podcast with good friends. To cover or went outright? To cover. Okay. To cover. Now, I mean, look, it's early in the week, you know, analyzing this like national title game is, is a little difficult and I don't want to backtrack, but you look at the college football team yards per play and uh, to throw out the, the square sharp yards per play as you're referencing I love that statement, Alabama's second. And that's kind of weird. When is the last time Alabama was like at least yards per play? They've always planted their flag on defense. Yeah. That's a defensive team, right? They're at 7.6 yards per play. That's crazy. But you know who's third? Clemson. Clemson. 7.2. And if you look at the favorites for the last, like, five years, the favorite. Okay, so if I can go through it again. 2017. Underdog was plus three and a half. We knew who that was. It was Alabama versus Georgia, right? It's 26 to 23. I remember that overtime play by Tua when he threw that touchdown. That was crazy. That was a beautiful play. After that, it was 31 35, underdog covered. After that, it was favorite 45 40, underdog covered. After that, it was 20 42, underdog obviously won it straight up. And then you have underdog, or sorry, favorite 34, underdog 31, underdog covered 11 and a half. So you've had straight 5 0 ATS underdogs against the spread at this point. It's a little difficult because Clemson has a great defense, they have a better defense. Uh, at least if you were to do the yards per play average, or if you even just looked at how they played against Notre Dame, I don't think Notre Dame compares to Oklahoma, but uh, it's a difficult position for me now because I see the line coming down a little. There is some sharp money coming in on Clemson, Clemson, excuse me. And it's just, you know, you talk about the average margin of victory. Uh, I know there are some sharper people, at least according to what they analyze via their computer system. Or what they what they do according to their um, just eyesight view, they place Alabama at least five to six according to that spread. And I, I kind of had a I have it kind of the same. I feel like it's within that touchdown range. If Alabama does win, I think it's going to be by a touchdown. So we're kind of like splitting hairs here, you know. Um, if it does go down a little bit further, I feel like we're in a similar territory with Ohio State and Washington, and I don't want to make a comparison between those teams, but I, I do feel like it's relevant. I feel like if we can get Alabama lower, maybe about four, I'll be all over Alabama. Um, I'm not sure it's going to drop to that, um, but I do see it within that touchdown range. And, I mean, you talk about bowl divisions. I, okay, so this is a advanced metric that I use heavily. If you were to look at a predicted margin of victory against an average team, this is an average FBS team. And if I can make a shout out to Ed Fang, um, he's a guy I'd I like to look at at least from his, his stats. He's a Stanford PhD. Alabama is about a 32.79 raw margin victory. Clemson is about 26. And how does that compare? well, Alabama has a better has a better offense let me
0: I want to interrupt you for one sec because I I know what someone out there is thinking right now and it's that Alabama has played no one they have blown out all the bad teams so why do you put stock into how much they're winning by against teams like I don't know Temple or or UTEP or whoever they're playing when um, they've largely not played anyone of relevance maybe outside Oklahoma and Georgia Nick Saban (laughs) yes <laughs> that's
1: really where I. That's really what I jumped. That I jumped to. and I. I feel like he can game plan well. Uh, with time, he's always been good, and it's it like Christian. I always find myself in the same position. Why am I betting on Alabama? Well, because they deliver in most in most prospects. I mean, I did I did go through the last five. Uh, excuse me, four uh, ATS spreads. The underdog is covered. Yep. Um. And I and I know that there's some there's obviously some buyback now on Clemson. They're seeing that line. They think it's probably within a field goal. And I I understand that argument. Um, I just, I like this. I like this Alabama offense too much. I feel like they will be able to address whatever Clemson can do on defense.
0: Here. So Alabama's, or I'm sorry, Clemson's defensive line, obviously all world. Um, the whole line is probably going on to the next level in the NFL. They were obviously without, uh, Lawrence against the game, uh, or against Notre Dame. and, And it just didn't matter. Um, this is two. I don't want to say two contrasting styles. They both play defense, um, but the yeah. thing is, is that this defense, um, while it's been. You know, it's the offense, Alabama's really kind of flipped their script. They were obviously, like you said, they made their hay uh, on defense and they've had, you know, quarter, they've taken quarterbacks to the national championship time and time again, whether it be Jalen Hurts, whether it be Greg McElroy. I mean, Alabama hasn't had a quarterback, um, besides Tua since, you know, in forever. Um, and so they've always had to, you know, they've won by game planning, which is Nick Saban. They've played defense this year. I mean, uh, there, I believe their defense overall is somewhere ranked 20th in the country, which is, you know, a little bit low Crazy. for, for Alabama Great. standards. Right. So Let me Look it up
1: right now. In fact, they're they Alabama's thirteenth and Clemson is second when you when you reference total defense. Yep. Which is crazy. It, you know, you expect top five is Alabama what you expect, to be top yeah. five. Yeah. Um,
0: So, you know, it's a little bit different in that, you know, in this Clemson team with Trevor Lawrence has been next, you know, all world. There's no other way to say it. And this Clemson team is going to regress on defense just because, again, they're losing uh, the best defensive line maybe in college history um, to the next level. But Trevor Lawrence is is, uh, what he's able to do there has been incredible. Um, When we talk about live betting, when we talked about that Baltimore game, I, I believe every single game this year except for the LSU game was the only time Alabama did not score on their opening drive and which is probably the most crazy stat when it comes to Alabama and college football in general um, every single game I've f- I might be It might be two, but the LSU is the only one um, at the time. It was the only time all year. They didn't score on their first drive. And so if you want to, you know, I think live betting makes a little bit of sense if you see that drive. And again, the LSU game obviously was, was not close in the end because it was a shutout. Um, and LSU is a little bit inept at times on offense, but I think that, you know, when yeah, you're talking about, yeah, exactly. when you're talking about the opening drive here, you know, you, you can live bet Alabama or, or Clemson at that point, whether because the spread is going to be flipped a little bit, you know, say Alabama gets up seven, nothing, you, you might be able to pick up off, uh, you know, an eight or nine on Clemson. If Alabama gets the ball first scores as they have done on whatever it is, 13 out of 14 games this year. Now, um, it's just an absolutely incredible stat and something that I think that people really get enamored with, um, pregame, you know, you have to get that pregame position and live betting. This game makes a little bit of sense after that first drive from Alabama, I think.
1: Yes. And I agree with that position. Uh, it's just a matter of exactly like who gets ahead initially. Um, it's just, ah. It's a tough game. If I if the game gets below five, I'm going to be on Alabama. Why? Why
0: five and not six? Because of the missed extra point uh, possibility. Like, why is that your market entry point? Is what I'm asking.
1: I know. I know you're a proponent of
0: No, no, no. That the spread the, no, 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 that no, 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 that, but- that doesn't matter at all in college football. That does not come into play. The spread matters so much. Every point is more valuable. I'm just asking no, for no, anyone no. else that that may yeah, um, that may be wondering why is that your market entry point of 5 and not and not a, or a stay away at 6.
1: Okay, so the way that the situation presents itself is if you're within that touchdown range. So, say you're within that touchdown range and the person gets a field goal or the kicker gets a field goal and you're at 4 you know, you present the option for maybe getting a push at that number. And that's really why I like to, uh, you know, four and a half is like a, a, is like a measure I like to grab for the underdog, but anything less, and I feel significant in that value, I, I, it's kind of insurance, if, if that makes any sense. Yep, no, that's, that's where I kind of place it. That's kind of where I place that line. And then, you know, even then, that being said, when I feel confident in a favorite, the spread really doesn't matter. A lot of times I'll win by a touchdown in that instance. Yep. But I just, I just feel like, I just feel like this game is going to present good value for Tua. I feel like uh, in Alabama, I feel like this team is going to rally around him. I know that Lawrence is a great, is a great QB. Etienne struggled against Notre Dame, and in fact. You know, at the beginning of the game, I was a little I was questioning what Clemson was doing by their game plan. They Trevor Lawrence looked very-
0: shook those first three possessions. I think they are averaged like two yards per play. Uh that moment was, was a weird. little it, it was very big for him, and you saw that yeah. in the opening of Clemson's drives for sure.
1: So, so I'm not sure if that's gonna like have some sort of relay to this national championship game. Obviously, it's a huge step up, step up. And you have a QB that's already played in a national championship, in fact, came in You have two of you them. Know, yeah, two of them. So that presents a lot of options to me. And that's why your your argument about live betting is so significant. I love that approach. Um, that's kind of what I've done in national championships, to be honest with you. But if I was to pick a side, and again, this expression which I hate, gun to head, I have to lean with Alabama here. It's just it's just a position that presents value, I think, in my opinion, with a line going down. Like if it was going up, like if I was having to play seven and a half, which is not gonna happen, you know, Clemson's gonna get some support, a lot of sharp money, understandably. I just have to. I have to rely with Nick Saban here, and the, what I believe is a more experienced, better offense, a lot of weapons. Um, I don't think Etienne is going to have a a good game against this Alabama Alabama defense, despite some of their lower numbers this year. And that's kind of that's kind of where I've set this game.
0: Yeah, for and sure. I mean, does, we'll,
1: we'll see what happens throughout the week because it's difficult initially. Like with look, look, we were talking just a few days ago, and the line was like six, and it's like okay, well. We see within a touchdown. Now it's at five. Okay, why is the line coming down? But, you know, you respond accordingly, so...
0: We'll I believe line. Clemson is number one in the country against rushing against um, opposing running backs. I think it's right around two yards per carry as well. So um, Williams and that that um, Alabama running attack is you know two and in, in Hurts are going to have to do a lot. Whether it's the Aqua formation with with both quarterbacks out there, um, I want to ask you though. Let's get a little exotic. Does a you know an open money line parlay piece? Does an open teaser make sense with so many NFL games upcoming? You know maybe if, if you feel strongly about Chicago, you wait for a New England or Kansas City line, uh, Saints, whatever team you want to. To pair that uh with um does anything kind of in that exotic you know open piece um whether it be money line teaser okay, so,
1: yeah the the exotics are interesting because like we have so many lines that are like within the one two range like essentially pickems doesn't really present an open option i do feel a little confident obviously what i mentioned previously with chicago um <laughs> that being said i know nick Foles has killed me but you know we've done these like these, like, Alabama and Chicago parlays, I mean, I think it's fun. It's fun as an exotic. I don't know if it's necessarily accurate, but um, that's where I would lean, obviously. I, it's difficult doing the, you know, favorite parlay in the playoff weekend. Yeah, for so, sure. But the, the thing is, yeah, I mean, that's where I'd lean. Like, Chicago, Alabama. Yep. I mean, I hate to state the obvious. I mean, inevitably, there's upsets this time of the year. So I just feel like... I don't know. I just I, There's something about this Philadelphia team that doesn't convince me the same. Are they going to have that same run? I don't really see it, you know, and they're not playing at home. So I would take that, I think, over to anything. Um, yeah, that's where I, that's where I lean. I, I'm going to look more into this Alabama game and this matchup. I just find myself continually, the argument continually comes back to backing Alabama. That's where I find myself.
0: I don't blame you, man. Nick Saban, cash his tickets. Say what you want about him. But that that kind of wraps yeah. it up, man. Um, is, I want to give you an opportunity to kind up. of to, to plug everything you have going on. Um, of, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Sports Dogma, But, I mean, um, the incredible um, premium client plays, I believe, what, 8-0 now. Um, since you started them, no losses. An absolutely incredible run, man. So um, I want to give you the floor to kind of plug everything. Where can people find you? Um, where can people kind of get in contact? You, you post so many free plays, everything for free. It's really just plays that you re- feel, you know, about one play per per week you feel incredibly strongly on and again eight, you know I believe since you started these so um the floor is yours man but please kind of plug everything you have going on in the space man cuz you've been doing so well
1: thanks brother I really appreciate that uh you know most of what I do um you can find me on sportsdogma.com um and also sports dogma I just recently started a uh, new website to make the process a little more seamless um I do have vip plays they're very selective I don't really do that too often Free plays are uh, the backbone of what I do, just so you can see how I approach things and things like that. If you want to join my VIP plays, you're welcome to join me on sportsdogma.com, like previously referenced. But uh, if not, then just tag along with some of my free plays on Sports Dogma on Twitter. That's the way I handle things. And that's what I've been doing for 10 years. I've been doing it for five years on Twitter. It's ironic. I actually started this Twitter handle because. I was banned. <laughs> it's a funny story. I'll keep it short, but I was banned from other, you know, forums. So I was like, "Well, I'll create a, I'll, I'll create a Twitter handle to express what my point of view is," and uh, it's kind of grown over time. And I feel like I have a good approach. I'm, I'm surrounded by great people like Christian. So, uh, if you like I said, um, join me on Sports Dogma on Twitter, and then if you'd like the VIPs, they're on my on my website currently.
0: Awesome, and Well, again, um cannot thank you enough for taking the time um to chat for about the last hour on the nfl plot, uh, wildcard weekend and the national championship and again follow him on twitter at sports dogma man um hopefully we'll get together this weekend in vegas catch a playoff game bro but if not uh we'll talk soon but more likely than not um come see us if you're out in vegas we'll be watching a Card game together bro so thanks so much for taking the time again man we'll talk yes. soon
1: absolutely i'll be there